Welcome to the Truth About Things That Suck podcast. I'm your host, Mindy Henderson, living life from a wheelchair, surviving two devastating car crashes, lost jobs, and a host of other challenges. I've learned to navigate the curveballs life throws at us. And now, as a speaker, author, and coach, my mission is to bring positivity to the world, to teach others how to navigate adversity well, to stop making excuses, and to see all that they are truly capable of. Because the truth about things that suck is that, well, they suck. They won't be fun, but it's possible to have two truths that coexist at the same time. And the second truth is that there's a lot we can learn, a lot we can do, and a lot of gifts that the sucky things bring to our lives and that empower us to make the world a better place. This podcast is a tool I've created to help us uncover those sucky but surprisingly beautiful circumstances. Let's see what's on tap for today. I'm really, really excited to have Heidi here today. As all of you know, Heidi is a successful businesswoman. You have a nutrition company, Transform HQ, with things like meal replacement shakes and supplements and an app. And you've got a skincare line called Athea Skincare. You speak, you coach, you write. What do you not do? (laughs) Uh, Rest too much. I'm working on the rest component. That's what I don't do enough of. Absolutely. I think we can all relate. Well, thank you so much for being here. I know that you are insanely busy and have a ton of things going on, but we're so grateful to have you and just to hear your thoughts on this topic and talk a little bit about your own journey. Um, I was telling you a minute ago on a personal note that you've been a real inspiration to me over the years, you know, in the interest of all of the women in the room and and sisterhood, I just want to share personally that I've had a lifelong struggle with disordered eating and body image and I was an avid watcher of extreme um, extreme weight loss. And I actually wrote you a letter years ago asking you if you had ever worked with a person in a wheelchair um, mm-hmm. and had complications of, you know, kind of fitness being an issue and those sorts of things. Um, and I wrote that letter when I was in the middle of a particularly difficult time. And having you here is just this amazing full circle oh. moment for me. So oh my gosh, that makes me so happy. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, and you have had, I know you've been very open about your own journey with eating disorders. And I would love to share for you to share what that looked like. But I also just really quickly before we we dive into all things um, about your journey, I just want to add a little bit about my own experiences for you for, for some context and for the, the purposes of discussion. I was diagnosed with a condition called spinal muscular atrophy when I was an infant. It's a neuromuscular condition that confines me to a wheelchair and, you know, growing up, you know, kind of sedentary weight became, um, I developed a, a weight issue pretty early on. And that for me morphed into pretty severe body image issues, um, and really complicated patterns of disordered eating. Because when you're a kid, you're not thinking about health and wellness, you're thinking about what you look like. And so, you know, I, I say all the time to people that, you know, for me, it became about physical appearance. And when you have a condition that affects your physical form, um, the images of perfection that we see every single day become that much less attainable and, you know, caused me to really think about food and weight in some very unhealthy ways. So that's in a super tight nutshell, my story through, through all of this. Would you mind just sharing us with us, taking us through your own journey with eating disorders and what that looked like for you? Yeah. And I guess I, what I do want to say first is what, what's so awesome. And I say this only because everybody here um, might have their own story or experience with an eating disorder, whether it's been spoken or not. Uh, and I do know in the middle of it, it feels like you're never going to get through it. Right. 
Um, never. Like, I mean, really, it's like, this is going to be me the rest of my life. I know how that feels, whether you're at the point of, you know, binging, purging or anorexia, or even just uh, body dysmorphic feeling you're maybe you're beyond some of the behaviors, but you're inside of it. Um, I do want to say that what's so great about getting this question is that I have to be like, Oh, wait, what, what was that like again? Which is such a beautiful, like, and I say that because I, I, I am grateful that I'm so far beyond it. I am. Um, and what, what is cool and not, not beyond all of the things I'm, I'm susceptible to body dysmorphia and looking in the mirror and being my own worst critic, like everybody is, but I, you know, I had in my mind, it's like once an addict, always an addict, or you're always in recovery. And I want to be super sensitive to that. You are always in recovery, but I also want you guys all to know that I believe wholly because of my experience that on the other, there, there is another side of it. There is being on the other side and it comes with knowledge. Like that is the thing for me when you are in the dark and you don't understand food, you don't understand it all feels scary and heavy and like it's never going away. But I will say my journey through has come from knowledge. I I understand food in a way that I didn't. um, And it can't control me when I understand it. It does not control me at all anymore. Um, But yeah, let me, and again, I only say that for hope not to be like, Oh, I'm, I'm past it. And you all are, no, not, it's just like a, Hey, it's possible. Like learn and um, keep improving and, it's scary, right? But you all can get through it. That's um, a really beautiful sentiment to open with. Yeah. I'm glad that you said all of that. Of, of course, yeah. And 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 it's it's knowledge with trial and error. A lot of things worked. A lot of things didn't work. Um, so for me, I started. This is going to take a while. So you can be like, enough. If you need, I can. No, talk no, we're good. A long time. Yeah. Um, I started. Um, I I was raised in a family that was very fit. My dad looked like Mr. Clean. He had all the muscles. My mom was like a little fitness Barbie and they're really awesome. And they were just, you know, that was in the eighties. So I was like, I don't even think most people really understood what eating disorders were back in the eighties. If they were, if they did, it was so like unspoken. Right. Um, But I, they, they were just super into fitness. They loved to work out in the morning, all the things they did the best that they could. And they would, you know, when I was 15, they're like, all right, time to start coming to the gym with us. So I was always in a leotard because I was in gymnastics. I was always told to go to the gym, right? Not because I was overweight by any means, but my underdeveloped brain, um, saw my cute mom who I ended up being like, when I went through puberty, I was about an inch and a half taller than her and and taller means wider and it means heavier on the scale. And my mom, so there was a part of me, I remember from a very young age, sitting in a car, uh, driving to gymnastics with a seatbelt over me. I must've been 12. I don't know. I was young. And I remember seeing like a a fold over the seatbelt. And I remember like seeing the girl next to my best friend who was like a twig, like little tiny twig. And I was like, huh? Like she doesn't have that. Like I do. And that was my first, oh man, my mom is skinny and muscular. My friend is skinny. I have this thing over my seatbelt. Right. And so I like, it was like a, something's wrong with me moment. That's the earliest memory I have of something's wrong with me. Um, and I remember like from that moment, I never wanted to be what my dad didn't love. Cause my dad loved my mom. He catered to her. He like doted on her. He, he, like, she was his queen, not because of her size, not because of anything, but like, I naturally looked at who she was and said, I need to be that to get love. Right. And I was one girl. I had three brothers and I, I, I was treated like a boy. I was treated like one of the boys. And so I was not treated like my mom was, I wasn't like, cuddled. I wasn't all. So I was constantly trying to get love thinking that I needed to be like my mom to get it. Also knowing as I got older that I was larger than her, it didn't matter how much I just was, I was wearing a bigger pant size than her. And so it triggered this thing in my brain. When I was 15 years old, I ended up tearing my ACL. I was a cheerleader. Uh, I tore my ACL and I, first of all, I, I was a flyer. So I was the one that they lifted because I was small enough to be a flyer, but I was the biggest of the flyers. And so that 
messed with my head. And I would, again, this is a lack of knowledge. This is me looking back. I'm like, that was the most ridiculous thing to do. But I had thought, oh my gosh, if they're going to be lifting me, I can't even drink water during practice. Like that would have weighed nothing. But the the underdeveloped brain of a 15-year-old said, if I drink water during practice, I'm going to be too heavy for them to lift because I was already big, right? Um, And so that also was like, I can't eat a lot because they need to be able to lift me. I can't eat before practice. I can't, all of these things. I ended up tearing my ACL. I had a full reconstructive surgery. And as I was healing, I, my biggest fear about it was now I can't work out. And if I can't work out, I can't burn calories. And if I can't burn calories, everything I put in my body is going to turn to fat. Like I, again, lack of education. And so many people here might feel the same way. Lack of education. That's not how it works. Like, let me tell you from a perspective of an expert now, it is not how it works, but I then started starving myself. And during, I was five, five and a half, and I had whittled myself down. The first one, it wasn't so much, but I ended up tearing my ACL again one year later because I wasn't strong enough. I had lost weight, went through the same thing. Crap, I can't eat. Uh, I was 89 pounds in uh, my senior year. Wow, how tall were you? Uh, I was five, five and a half. So I had, I my sophomore year was when I hit my growth spurt and I was probably 120 pounds, 122 was what I, and then, so I had lost over 30 pounds in high school. And then it started really, you know, I had my parents, my cheer coach, you know, it became an issue and my dad would force feed me and force feeding me had me like terrified. Okay. Let me figure out how to get this out of my body, which then I became, I I turned anorexic to bulimic because I had to show them that I could eat in front of them. And that was a whole different, like that led to a whole new thing for me because I was like, wow, all this food I've been depriving myself of for years. Wait, hold on. I can eat it and I can get rid of it. So then it was like this pleasure trigger in my head that created a major food addiction. It was like, I didn't know what it could feel like to eat all these foods. And my senior year through two years of, of college, I was a massive food addict. I mean, I, I luckily got good grades all of high school because I was still in that anorexic kind of control thing, but start, I mean, I was straight a student. And then my first two, my first year of college, I flunked because I was in the middle of an eating disorder. Like all, what I did all day, I, it's so crazy to say this. And for a while, this was so, I never could have admitted this until a couple of years ago, but I would drive from drive through to drive through getting food, like hiding. I would like hoard food when people weren't looking and I put it in my closet and I, I would eat. And then I, I, it would just start this thing where then I'd feel so shameful about what just happened. This would be six, seven times a day. It was not once a day. There was so much shame about what had just happened that I would say, okay, hold on. Like never again. I can't eat any, like I'm going to start fresh now. I mean, it wasn't even a daily thing. It was, I'm going to start fresh now. I got to starve myself because I just binged on all this food, only some of it. And if anyone's dealt with bulimia, you know, when you purge, you only purge about a third of your calories. You can't get it all out. And it would then like, I would, it was just this horrible, terrible cycle. Cause then I would restrict my food. I'd be like, I can't eat. I can't eat. I can't eat. I can't eat restricting, restricting to make up for what I I had done. And then the second I would be like, I'm starving. Like my hormones were going crazy. And so I would end up, I'd say, let I'll eat a half a sandwich. So I eat a half a sandwich. And then I'd be like, I think I can afford one of the, and like one morsel of food too much for me would have me. Okay. The dam broke floodgates are open. I might as well. And I would just go, I, I could not get out of it. And it, that was for a couple years, it eroded my teeth, which is what, if you guys have ever seen my stories, I, I do have veneers. It's not because of vanity. Yeah, I guess a little bit, but also I would not have front teeth hardly to be honest, because it completely eroded what was happening on, on the front of my mouth. Um, and it, it was a thing that I ended up, I ended up getting married because I, you know, in, in that stage, you're just, marriage was the thing I shouldn't have done. So of course I'm going to do it. Right. (laughs) And and I hid that my disorder from, I actually, to this day, I've never had an actual conversation with Derek about it, but like, I'm sure he knew. 
Um, and I'm sure he reads and sees now, but like I was fully bulimic when he and I got married and I would just, I got better at hiding it. Like I knew how to, it, I, I, I was, I was an addict. It was, it was my drug. No, I thought nobody knew. And in hindsight, I'm sure everybody knew like you, there are just certain signs. Cause I can spot a bulimic from a mile away now. I'm like, Oh, all the signs teeth. I mean, like I, I just know. And so I'm sure there were people that knew and that's why there was so much concern around me. Uh, it was not until I actually had got pregnant with my first baby with Maddox that I was like, all right, I got to clean up. Cause I had a, an aunt whose son had spina bifida that they said was, uh, due to a lack of folic acid. She was bulimic when she was pregnant. And so that was like, a, okay, I got to take care of my body for once because what I put in my body, um, is going to either grow my baby or stop it from growing, stop him from growing. And so that was enough, like time to not be selfish, time to be selfless and grow a human. So I cleaned up really. I just white knuckled, right? If I was an alcoholic, I just didn't drink, but my alcoholism was still there. I uh, ended up having him fell right back into my pattern between Maddox and Marley after breastfeeding was over because all the calories weren't being burned, uh, had Mars got pregnant with Marley cleaned up same kind of a thing. And then shortly after I had Marley is when my marriage started falling apart. And, uh, that stress kept me in this window of keeping my disorder, uh, in line, I will say. And I felt like I'd grown up a little bit, but I, I did go to therapist after therapist, after therapist, after therapist. And I lied to every single one of them. They're like, okay, how do you, what do you binge on? I'd be like, protein bars lie. <laughs> like I binged on everything in sight. And, but there was such a part of, like, I was so scared of disappointing that I could never fully let it out. And because I'd never let it out that, that shame grew, it bred in darkness. Um, and so I eventually, um, that I, I actually, it, I, I was white knuckling when I met Chris, my, uh, you know, the co-host of extreme weight loss with me, my husband, my ex-husband, my husband at the time, and he unknowingly, cause he didn't know what I was dealing with either, but he unknowingly helped me heal in ways that I never knew I could. And it's because he was an educator and I would tell him, I really want to grow muscle. I want to put on size. And he would say to me, he'd be like, okay, well, you got to eat. Like you need to actually eat like the only way. Cause around, I was just so careful about what I ate and all the, he'd say, you know, try this plan for two weeks. And if it doesn't work, you can always go back to what didn't work before. And I loved that. Right. Like, and together he and I, through our life uh, coaching and our personal development training that we did, we had created all sorts of lessons around this. And it is true. Like I was teaching people through our show. Cause we then started the show and Working with people on a show who had disordered eating was the most beautiful thing for me because it allowed, like I got to see me and them and we might may have looked different, but we were identical in what we were dealing with. And it was only then that I started opening up about my struggle to create that connection because it was real. It was there. Um, and I, I, I was teaching them like to heal from their disordered eating. Listen, what worked before, like what, what, what you were doing before didn't work. Now it's time. You got to take a leap of faith. You got to trust the process and you got to go all in. Like there were three things. And it was like, I used what Chris had taught me do this for two weeks. Like if you do this for two weeks and it doesn't work, you can always go back to what wasn't working before. But with food addiction, what I realized is it's that binge restrict, binge restrict, whether you're throwing up or not, it's the same thing, right? You binge, then you feel shame and you restrict. And then you binge and then you restrict to take care, like to make up for it. When the reality is you have like, when you binge, I learned you got to stop right there. There is no restriction. You have to be willing to take a massive leap of faith just one day and trust the process that says, all right, even though I binge, I'm going to start here. Like today's a new day. And like, I didn't binge yesterday. I'm going to eat my 1800 to 2000 calories. You have to be willing to start eating in moderation in a way that does not have you restricting to make up for. And you have to allow yourself some of the foods that you're terrified of so that they aren't forbidden because when things are forbidden, it makes you, uh, that's all you want. Right. And when the gates open, the dams break, the gates open, that's you end up binging again. So that for me, that it was knowledge. It was playing around and, and truly going into 
six years ago when I got into competitive, into competing, that was a whole new experience of evolution for me. Like for me then to go from somebody that's like, okay, now it's my job to gain 20 pounds. Okay. And it was so beautiful because I got to see what eating enough food does for your body. Like I always felt like I was skinny fat before is what I would say, skinny, flabby, skinny fat. But the reality is it's because I was not eating enough. And because I thought I needed to run it off. No, I needed to stop running. I needed to eat more food and I needed to allow my body time to create muscle with the food that I was eating instead of like it just trying to keep up. So it's, uh, it's been a journey and it is, it's, and it's because there's power in what I know. Um, I, I, I don't hate my body anymore when I am flabbier or when I'm not at my peak. Like I love it because I know the powers in me to do what I want, right? I can change my body. I don't have to, but I love it because it's capable of all of this. Oh my gosh. I, the, the questions that are hitting my brain right now and, and just listening to you and how I can see myself in your story. And what's, what's really coming back to me is the chaos you know, is the chaos that's involved in an eating disorder and going from one extreme to the next. I personally would have days where I would live on Diet Coke for three days and then, you know, and then I would give in and I would eat something. And then that, like you said, broke the dam and then you've got the shame and and it's just, it's this crazy chaotic spiral that's just, it's, it's maddening, you know? And so, everything that you're saying is rings so true for me. And I want to ask you, you know, because you, you talk about how having your first child kind of, you know, made you clean it up. And I think that we know, you know, like, like you said, when we're doing these things to ourselves, I think we know what we're doing and we know that they're wrong and we know that they're probably not healthy, but you know, for, for your child, they were worth stopping for, you yeah. know, but why, why aren't we good enough or why aren't we a good enough reason to stop what we're doing? Well, I think most of, and I, 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 I'm in a very different place now, right? Because I know now, and my part of what my mission is and my goal is to help everybody know that they are worth stopping for. Right. But like, I think obviously, obviously, Anytime you find yourself in destructive or self-sabotaging patterns, um, it's the result deep down of you not thinking you're worthy, you not thinking you're enough, you being insecure, you feeling like everybody has more than you do and you're a fraud, right? So we're it's like our way of like, we just start imploding in a way. Um, but it, it is it's funny. And, and what, what the cycle that we end up doing is because we don't feel enough, right. And we're self-sabotaging. We end up as we're self-sabotaging, we are still so busy doing everything else for everybody else. Because we think if I can just show Mindy how good I am at this or how I'll drop everything for her or how, if I can prove my value to this person, like then if they can see it and they can acknowledge my value, then I'll be enough. Right. Mm -hmm. But the reality is you might get it for a minute, but then you go home and you're stuck sitting in your own thoughts where you're like, I'm not valuable. I'm yeah. not, and that, so, okay. Who can I prove my value to? Who can reaffirm? Who can tell me my value when the reality is when, it, it is not until we stop trying to tell other people and prove to other people what our value is. It's not until we pr- start proving what our value is to ourself. Mm-hmm. And along with that, it's not until we start I'm going to say setting boundaries and by boundaries, I don't mean no. Yeah. Sometimes it means no. Right. But also like if I, I was a perpetual overpromiser and under deliverer in every area of my life, every area I'd be like, sure. Yeah, I can do this. I can do this. I can do that. And like, I knew in my, I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. And it had me, then I further self-implode because I knew I wasn't going to be able to follow through to them. I definitely wasn't following through to myself. I had no integrity in any area of my life. I wasn't doing what I said I was going to do when I said I was going to do it to who I said I was going to do it to. Mm-hmm. And it, when all I needed to do was like, break that habit, break that pattern and say, shoot, I wish I could, 
but I'm not going to be able to, cause I'm on this side of town. And if I'm going from this side of town to here by this time, but like, I was so insecure with who I was. I thought I needed to tell them a lie to make them like me for a second. But that lie, it, it, I don't even know if I would say a lie that overstretched promise. Mm-hmm. I just say it to, and it, that goes into every area of your life, right? It, it really does. We don't feel valuable enough Mm-hmm. Uh, with who we are. And so, but like, again, the second that child was there for me, sometimes we need a moment, like an awakening moment, like in transformation, we say, you have to believe or you won't transform. You just won't. You have to believe for anybody here that's dealing with an eating disorder for you, Mindy, you had, or you have to believe that recovery is possible, mm-hmm. or you're never going to put forth the steps necessary to do it. However, you might need to lean on someone else's belief first, like someone here or someone that I've talked to might need to lean on the fact that I said it was possible first before they believe that they can do it. Cause if they did it, I might start putting forth the steps to recovery. I might start putting forth the steps to heal. Right. And say my belief was coming from, okay, I know I can clean up for my child. So let me do that. And then when I started seeing that, oh my gosh, it is possible. Like I am able to clean up. I am able to not have these destructive patterns after all, like I am wired fine. Hold on. Now I believe I can do it. Right. So my belief in myself, because I was making small promises to myself over time, I was doing what I said I could do or what I said I was going to do to myself. It was building integrity and one promise kept after promise kept one day clean after day clean created momentum that then instilled belief that it was possible for me. And the more I believe, the more I dove in and learned and further recovered. So interesting. You actually read my mind on the the next question that I wanted to ask you about, you know, people who maybe believe right now that nothing can ever change. But what if you want something to change, but you're terrified? Because I think there can be a lot of fear in stopping, you know, because it's, it's a crutch and it's, you know, it's so many things. What, what would you say to someone who's just, you know, maybe doesn't want to be in this place anymore, but they're terrified to do anything else. Okay. Uh, And I know exactly what you're saying, because I remember that was part of why I wouldn't tell my truth to the therapist because my addiction uh, was great in a way. Like it was the only thing that loved me, right? Like I didn't love myself and I didn't feel the love that I... I mean, he gave it to my dad, gave it to me, but I didn't feel it. Like I get, because of where I was at, I couldn't absorb love in a way. Um, <clears throat> and my addiction for lack of better words, my disorder, um, was there for me. Like when nobody else was, when I, I like did not want to get rid of it. I loved, there was a part of me that loved there's a payoff. There's a cost and a payoff to everything. Yeah. The cost was I was ruining my body. I had no mental clarity. The chaos you said, Mindy, is so spot on. It's all that was on my mind. And also, um, there was comfort in it. Like I, there was a high that I got from both the binge and the purge. It sounds really crazy. Uh, scientifically, they actually say there's a high from that. And that's what happened. So um, and I also love knowing that I could eat anything. Like I didn't want to get rid of that. Cause I only, I was scared of the other side. I was scared of being stuck eating what I thought. I thought I needed to eat brown rice and chicken and broccoli for the rest of my life. And I did not want that. I, but I still don't want that today, which is why I'm so happy to be where I'm at. I'll never, I shouldn't say never. I'll probably never be that person. Cause I have found my own balance, but I remember like, it's like you have an ACE in your back pocket, right? And I did not want to give up my ACE in my back pocket. I was like, cool. I'm going to let you guys all think I'm recovering. I'm never going to recover is truly what I thought in my mind. And it wasn't like I though at night, I would have these times where I would be laying in bed. I would start like hyperventilating. My heart rate would be elevated. And I'd be like, what? I was depressed. I was, I was all of these things. I was a mess. Right. But And it was those moments where I remember being like, do I tell my parents, do I go get help? Like that was like my cry for help. Like you can think of an alcoholic probably goes through the same kind of a thing, any kind of an addiction. It's like that alcohol is so comforting. You don't want, you don't want to give up that thing. That's going to numb you from the pain of the world. But in some moments that alcoholic is hoping to be caught because if they can be caught, then it doesn't have to be their choice. It's somebody else's to drag them into rehab. Right. And say, I would go through the same, like, what if they can just catch me? And what if they can just put me in rehab? Yeah. Um, anyway, it, uh, it, 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 for anybody there, let me say this. 
the pain of change cannot exceed the pain of remaining the same or change will never happen. Or you could flip-flop it. The pain of remaining the same, like your perceived pain of remaining the same must exceed what you perceive the pain of change to be, or you will not change. And I can't want it more for you than you want it for yourself. Like I, people on the show, I would say, you got to help me help you, right? Like I can't, I can't, I know you want to lose the weight, but do you want to lose the weight bad enough to lose the bad habits? Like both are going to be super hard, right? Same eating disorders are super hard change. And that process is super hard. Which hard do you want? Do you want, like, are you, do you want to live a life with what is now mm-hmm. that like comes with comfort, right? There's comfort, there's pain, there's pain at the deepest level. Or do you want to live a life where you're going to have to give up some things, but you're going to have clarity, mental focus, energy, all of these things. Like, do you want happiness and joy? And I will say, I could never have achieved the level of peace and it's, it's ongoing. We're always creating and finding and all that kind of stuff. I couldn't have never achieved it. Uh, with my disorder looming over me. That's so good. And and I love, I just want to go back to something that you said a few minutes ago that struck such a chord with me. And I think it's so powerful that you had to actually learn to eat food to have a healthy body. And, and that for anyone that's living this right now is such a powerful statement. Yeah. 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 Like, like right now, if you put a Snickers bar in front of me, there's zero, any, like my, I'm super in tune with if my body is hungry or not, which when you're in the middle of an eating disorder, you lose it. You don't know. Right. You just don't, you're like, I don't know. Can it fit my stomach? I'm hungry. Like that's kind of what you go through, but over time, and it's a process like to everyone listening that is like, how do you get there? It took me years. There's not like one thing where I'm like, oh, this was it. No, it's been such an evolution. And it's every day you got to be patient. Like, are you 1% closer to recovery today than you were yesterday? And if you find yourself going in the opposite direction, you might want to get a deeper level of help. There's so much help out there, but you can get to a place where a Snickers bars can be put in front of Snickers bar can be put in front of you. And you can like, I would probably take a bite without a doubt. I might eat maybe two bites, but like I, I also know two bites. I actually have receptors in my brain now that say, okay, that's really sweet. We're good. Let's get something that's a little bit savory now. You know, like it's, they work, they work yeah. because I've given time to cleanse my, cleanse it. Yeah. That's, that's so good. And actually I was, I was talking to somebody earlier about this very thing. And we were talking about, you know, like cravings yeah. and yesterday, yesterday, I had somebody who made me so angry and anger is a trigger for me. And all I wanted was a glass of wine and a cookie as big as my head. And, and there was no stopping me from having a glass of wine and a cookie as big as my head. And we, you know, we were talking about this, this idea of cravings and we were like, we were just talking about, you know, so how do you get rid of that? And I think what you just said is, is kind of the thing, you know, once you get far enough removed from it, from it, your taste receptors change and your, your chemistry changes. Is that true? Or am I making things up? No, you're okay. So you're right. But I'm also going to try, I'm going to shift your perspective right now. What if instead of trying to get rid of a craving, we learn to honor it. And like, when you have a craving, like I, I actually, honestly, if I had a craving for, I, I don't like wine, but if I did have a craving for a glass of wine and I have cravings for cookies, I honor it. I eat it. Right. But like, I also think because as you said it, how do I get rid of it? You are taking that cookie and that glass of wine and you're making it bad. So when yes. like it's already bad before you eat it and drink it. So as you're eating and as you're drinking, you're doing it in shame. You're further adding to shame, which is having you eat more than you should and telling you you're a bad person, right? So you've already categorized it as bad when it shouldn't be like, of it's course. just a cookie. And it, I, I firmly believe if you were to ref, like change or try and shift your relationship with a cookie and shift your relationship with a glass of wine, if you could say it's okay. I don't think you would overdo it. 
I don't. And I also think like for me, if I know I'm going to have a cookie and I have a craving, I'm going to have it. I, there's, there's no oh, way <laughs> I'm telling you, there's actually no way I'm not going to eat it if I want a cookie. Yeah. But what I do though, is I know for me, uh, this is where knowledge comes in, right? Education. I know protein is the most immediately satiating macronutrient. I know that. And so what that means is when I have protein, I am full right away. And so I always, always, always no exceptions. There are, I'm sure, but like, I'll always have a protein shake or some source of protein before I have the cookie. I'm going to have a cookie. Great. I'm going to drink a protein shake real quick. I'm going to fill myself up. Also protein in your body. It it will help uh, slow down the release of sugar from that cookie. It's just better all around to pair your carbs and fats with a source of protein. So drink the shake first. You're a lot less likely to overdo the cookie and your body's going to uptake the macronutrients in a much better way than if you had just had the cookie by itself. It's so so I, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's, yeah. the greatest, it's the greatest. I love it. I love it. I need you living in my ear, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about, you know, some of the, I don't want to say lighter, you know, but, but maybe not as extreme as say an eating disorder. I think that we as women struggle so much with self-confidence and, and body image and, and all of those things. What do you think the, just the, the mere concern for how we look and becomes unhealthy? So say that, so say that one more time. So what do I think about the concern? Sorry. You know, we've, we've, I think all of us to some extent, some more than others, but you know, when you, the, the concern for how we look, you know, and, and wanting to be attractive, look a certain way in a pair of jeans, whatever, when does that become a little too over the top and become unhealthy? Um, I think anytime something becomes all consuming and it takes away from how you're enjoying life, uh, it's unhealthy. And I think that goes for, cause I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking through, okay, what makes alcohol consumption and addiction? What makes food and addiction? What makes like for people, I have uh, people that I've worked with that are sex addicts, right? Like what makes it an addiction? Cause like what, what if, you know, any, any of those things, like what, constitutes. And I believe it is unhealthy or an addiction. And I would say a body dysmorphia, like an appearance addiction, when it affects how you show up, when it affects what you decide to go to. So if you are somebody that you're like, and this happens for a lot of women, and it's super hard for me to know, but like, and and I've been there. So when I say that, I know that this isn't as like, I've never been there, but like when the outfit doesn't look right or my body, or I look fat or this, and that, I just can't go. And when it actually stops us from enjoying life, because what's, what's hard about that. And what I think a lot of people fail to realize is anyone at that party that you're going to, or that gathering, everyone there is more concerned about how they look themselves and how you look. And that, that was the big perspective shifter for me. Like, I mean, I'm, I have pictures taken of me like selfies. People will want to not, not all the time, but I'm saying, the, I had to get used to people taking pictures or taking pictures like this and then posting them when like, I know how to position a selfie to have me look decent. Right. But they don't know how to position me in a selfie to have. And like there, there have been, there are so many unflattering pictures of me. And I had like in my mind, right. Cause we're all our own worst critic. Mm-hmm. I had to be like, Okay. It doesn't matter if the light was shining straight down and my nose looks super pointy and what, like at the end of the day, this is who I am. They didn't have a problem with me because they ended up posting it. So I have to be okay with whatever that, like it, you have to know like who people love. Like when you have people in your life, Mindy, that love you, Colleen, Wendy, Nicole, Marlene, we all have people in our lives who love us exactly as we are. And we have to remember that like they see us exactly as we are, exactly as you see yourself in the mirror and they love us. So if they love us this way, why can't we love our, like, why can't we just accept that even though we don't like what we see in the mirror, it's enough for other people to love who we are. So 
we need to stop beating ourselves up and love ourselves because your friends are very likely having a hard time loving themselves. So we're all in our own heads trying to figure out how to accept and love who we are so much so that it's causing distance. Cause we're like, Oh my gosh, we look bad today. I can't go to... that. That's when it's unhealthy. But also, again, I want to invite everybody to have the realization and to know that like, they're all just as insecure and having just as much of a hard time. And what could change them is you showing up even when you don't feel great, you know? So good. I I do want to talk about food addiction for, for just a second, because I I heard you say um, in another um, interview or video that you did that, you know, just once an addict, always an addict, Mm -hmm. you know, and food addiction in particular is so tricky because we have to eat, you know, you can stop using cocaine, but if French fries are your cocaine and you've got to eat lunch today and there's fast food on every corner, there's every food delivery thing under the sun. We're all running at a thousand miles a minute, trying to get things done as quickly as possible. How, you know, how, when, when you, when there are so many choices and, and things available to us, how do you navigate that? What's your best advice? Um, so I think that all comes down to what, so while, you know, I, I started at the beginning saying, I know once an addict, always an addict, addict is kind of the thing. But at the same time, I do believe, like I said, that knowledge is power, right? So we can stay inside of and be scared of, or we can gain knowledge that, and and we can experiment with things because I believe all of those things, once we stop labeling, like we talked about the cookie and the wine, once we stop labeling it as bad and we label it as, oh, it is what it is, right? I think it's the labels and the shame that has things uh, super and hyper addictive. I really do. Uh, and I also believe in the tactic that I talked about, the protein first. And then once you, and you label that as a good, good thing. Um, I, I also know that, yes, because I, I had a full-on food addiction. Uh-huh. It has completely shifted in my life. I am not there anymore through all of the different ways that I've kind of mentioned that I'm not there. Um, I also think though that there is, as we're doing it, and like I believe in every single day, every day, every day, every day, I do a daily hug. I do at least one food that is an indulgence. I allow it. I build it into my plan because when I build that into my plan, it is not a thing I need to be scared of. It's not a thing that when I eat, I need to eat a ton of it anymore because I'm going to get it every single day. Like maybe it's a fun size Snicker bar. Maybe it's an entire cookie. Every day you have a cookie. It eliminates the shame. And you, instead of saying, this is the thing that I'm addicted, you're addicted to it right now because you, it's a bad thing. So anytime you can't have something, that's all that you want is that thing. And you want all of it because in your mind, you got to push it out of your life. Mm-hmm. And so crap, if I'm going to push it out of my life tomorrow, I'm going to binge on it all today. Right. But what if you stopped saying you could never have it and you just every single day allowed yourself a little bit of it. Yeah. And so it becomes something you're no longer addicted to in an unhealthy way, but something that you allow into your plan and you, it, there's freedom in it, right? What if you trust that if you eat that cookie every day, you're not going to quote unquote, get fat. Cause that's what everybody says, right? Mm-hmm. What if also like when you really track back, what are you scared of? You're scared of a lot of people say, I'm scared. It will make me fat. Mm-hmm. What if you trust that? Even if it adds 200 calories to you, which 200 calories is not a pound, you're going to be fine. You're moving a lot anyway, right? But what, what, what are you scared about having fat on your body for? Like, what is your actual why? Like, what does it mean if the scale is 250 pounds, 300 pounds? What does it mean? Yeah. In your mind, we have connected the number on the scale with our worthiness. We've connected that if we are lighter, then we are enough. If we are lighter or fitter or whatever, then we're acceptable, then we're lovable. But what if we understand that what the catalyst of all this addiction in the first place is that we need love and we are searching everywhere else by lowering the number on the scale, by improving our fitness, by trying to look better to get that love instead of focusing on what really creates love at the level that you need it. And it's the kind of love that you have for yourself, right? Like that truly is. And that kind of love, we kind of talked about it. It can only be created through integrity for yourself, not for anybody else doing what you say you're going to do 
for yourself when you say you're going to do it. Now, going back to food. So we just talked about all the internal because you can track all of that back to that. Yeah. But now we go into food. So as we are laying out, because now we trust and we're going to trust the process, we're going to do one cookie a day or whatever our thing is. Maybe it's a donut a day. People on in our challenge right now, literally the girl that lost 47 pounds in four months had pizza and donuts every day. Not all day, every day. Every day she let herself have a piece of pizza or a donut every single day. Totally reframed, changed her relationship with food. And she lost 47 pounds at 58 years old. Wow. So it's possible, but you also have to be aware of uh, slippery slope foods. Like we all have trigger foods. So there may be a food or a thing where for you, you know, when I have like, Hey, I can have uh, a pizza pocket, but the second I have a bag of chips, it's game over for me, or I can have a donut. But the second I have a cookie, it's game. like, so we all kind of have, and we're aware of the foods for an alcoholic it's alcohol, right? For there are certain types of foods or things that trigger addictive behaviors. So you can, yeah, until you can heal your relationship a little bit better, like more over time, I do say those foods avoid them. Don't use those for your daily hugs. Find something that is equally as indulgent, but not devastatingly detrimental to what you're trying to do. So good. So good. I, um, I'm trying to be mindful of the time. I have one more question that I want to ask you because I think it's a big one. I hear it all the time in my circles. Um, and I also want to try to let some other people ask you a question or two. So my question Dana, is- I love what you said. Sorry. I just read it. I love what you said. That's awesome. In the comments. Sorry about that. Yes. Um, So let's talk about discipline because you are clearly a very disciplined individual to be able to have achieved the kind of physical excellence that you have. And, you know, not just business, I mean, in business, in everything, you're, you're clearly a disciplined person, but we live in a world that is big on instant gratification and getting healthy doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. So I hear all the time that you know people who struggle with motivation and staying focused on the long game when you know I can eat again, you know, a thing of, of french fries today and it's going to trigger some chemicals in my brain that are going to feel really good or yeah. I can go work out and see a month from now, you know, some some payoff to that workout. How, how do you, what's your recommendation to people for keeping their, their motivation and their focus long-term? So discipline is not a thing that you have, or you don't have. It's just not, uh, it like muscle growth is a thing you train. It's a thing you create. And it, like, I, it is interesting to me how most people are like, oh, I just don't have the discipline you have. No, like Maybe you haven't created, right? But also, if you sat, if you spent a day with me, in fact, you, if you could read my comments on Instagram, I get so many people that are like, I can't believe you're a health professional and you eat cookies. It's just that, you know what? Like, I am, I am disciplined in what I've created discipline to be, right? But also, I understand if you were to tell me I needed to be all paleo, all natural, whole 30. I would not have discipline for that. I just wouldn't like, I would never measure up. I'd feel like a failure always. And I refuse to feel like a failure because when I feel like a failure, I lose belief in myself. I don't, I will not have integrity. I will like all of the things my self-love would be gone. So I know for me where I create discipline and how I create discipline. I also know that at any point in time, I know like if my discipline were to go away, I know how to build it back up. And it's not by taking on 10 things at once. Discipline to me, it's the same as integrity, right? It, it's not the same, but they go hand in hand. Like I would need to stop over promising. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short. You try and fail and try and fail and try and fail so many times. And you feel like you're, you lack discipline. You feel right. like you are not capable of doing it. Well, you're not the way that you've been doing it. Uh, and I'm not that way. Like I, if I were to start something new and I were to say, okay, these are the 10 things I need to do for this plan. Mm -hmm. I fail if I told myself I needed to do all 10, Uh but instead you see the 10 things that this plan includes. What, 
what, what you need to do is you say, okay, I'm going to pick one of those and I'm going to do it consistently over time. I'm going to make a small power promise to myself. That is all I care about every day. Everyone can judge me and say, I'm not doing the other nine, but it does not matter what they say about me, how they love me, how they don't love me is none of my business. Like all that actually is my business is what I think about myself. And if I commit to one thing a day, every single day, and I can check it off the list, I am a winner. Like I feel good about myself and that momentum, like we talked about that integrity momentum then has me saying, okay, now that I know I can do this, what else can I do? So I might not have discipline for 10 things, but now I have discipline for two, right? And I see what I'm capable of. So then one thing, day after day after day, I can keep these two power promises. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I can actually do it. I have I, I have discipline after all. Holy moly. I've been saying I didn't. <laughs> now I'm going to add a third. And then you're going with three things. Yeah, there are people who can do all 10 You can't pay attention to them. You are the only person you're in competition with. You are the only one you need to love. You don't need their love. They don't need your love. You need to love yourself first, right? Then there's going to come a point for everybody where maybe you've stacked up three or four and you end up, you know, falling off the wagon and you're like, crap, I knew it. I fail. I have, I don't have discipline. No, you do. You just had a bad day Mm -hmm. and you have to reframe failure as that was a learning experience. What can I do different? Yes. Right. What do I need to change so that that doesn't happen again? All right. I'm going to start over. We're going to stack up those promises again. It, it is, it will change your life. It will create yes. discipline. It's, it's not that like, no, creating discipline is like a mathematical equation. Like it just is what it is. You can't change it. Nobody doesn't have the ability to create it. We all do. You just have to know how to do it. It's one plus one has to equal two before you can get into calculus. So good. So good. I do want to, we've got just a couple of minutes left. I think if you have a question for Heidi, pop it in the chat. I'm going to try to get to to a couple of questions. But meanwhile, Heidi, tell us what you've got going on right now. I know you've got a fitness challenge um, that you just kicked off, what, yesterday? Yeah, yesterday was a starting. It's funny, as you just said that, I was like, we were supposed to close the gates last night. We did not close them. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we closed the gates the day of. Uh, if anyone, I, if I think our, oh, awesome. Cool. That's amazing. Uh, Gina, join the nutrition for the group to learn how you can teach your 10-year-old daughter how to treat oh. food. I love that. So cool. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it's, it is, it's HeidiPal.net forward slash get fit. Uh, we will, we're supposed to be closing them today. So I probably, I'm sure you could get in if you're not already there, but say that um, one more time. I'm going to put it in the chat. Yeah. It's HeidiPowell.net forward slash get fit. And then, yeah, there it's, it's awesome. It is a really incredible, we give 60 days of workouts. We work out every day together. I mean, not like at the same time, but we have, we have the same workouts that we're all doing. Everybody's at different ability levels and no matter who you are, where you're at in your journey, you're, you're welcome there and, and you belong there. And the, I mean, the community is the greatest, the greatest thing we have nutrition resources. We have a nutrition education course. We're running inside of it. Uh, it's pretty dang awesome. Not going to lie. I've, I've, I've been watching you and Dave talk about it on social. And I know that you do a lot to sort of, um, address people in different physical places with different physical challenges and, and things like that. So that, you know, you, you don't have to be, um, an Ironman to join this, this fitness challenge, right? (laughs) No, you do not. You that's like, I actually, it's funny because we got a lot of, uh, heat for like, why is Dave doing this challenge for you with you when he's not an expert? Uh, because he's you guys, like he is the person just starting. And I, he's, he's like, you know, anybody that I've worked with that I would have run a challenge with before where I'm coaching them through, he is learning as you do. And it's super awesome. And it, it like lowers the barrier of entry for people. Like they think they have to be a certain thing when they're being trained by me. But now that, you know, Dave's up doing it with me, it's, it's like, Hey, look, he has trouble doing this move too. You're not alone. It takes time. It takes practice. Yeah. I've heard absolutely amazing things about the first round that you guys did. I see Sadie in the chat says she's in the second round. Um, Yeah. What else do you have on the horizon? Is there anything else coming up that you want to share? 
Um, I, I am doing my first event, which is really cool. What? Uh, yeah, it's uh, April 4th, 5th and 6th. But uh, like, I, I believe where it's only going to be open to the people inside of the challenge, just because it will spin off of a lot of things that we're teaching there. And yeah, it's going to be really, really good. But that's, that's the next big thing on the horizon for me. So cool. And I have an app coming out. I have an app coming out. What? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. When's the app coming? Uh, sometime in March, the goal is to have it done by the end of the challenge. So people in it will have something to jump into, um, without feeling like, like last time the challenge ended and it was like, wait, hold on. What do you have for me next? And I'm like, nothing. Uh, so this is a, it's a thing I'm, uh, working on right now in real time. Is it focused? Is it focused on nutrition or fit or, um, exercise or exercise, exercise, fitness app. Nutrition. Yeah. Nutrition is a really hard thing to do inside of an app. Uh, Mm -hmm. We had, we did a great job with transform, which now is going to, my ex-husband, Chris ended up taking that. We did Mm -hmm. obviously in divorce, you split things. Uh, But, but what's interesting is not many people use the nutrition part of it. Um, People are more looking for workouts in in an app and nutrition is a thing that takes a little more hands-on. I'll I'll always probably teach courses on nutrition. Okay. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Well, those things sound very exciting. Um, do you have time for one question from the chat? Yeah. Awesome. I think I think this is a big one because you know a lot of us are moms. A lot of us have teenage daughters. Raina is a teen mentor and motivational speaker, and she's asking. I'm so sorry, everyone is muted and you can't ask your own questions. I'm gonna have to figure out what I did. But what advice do you have for your teen self, and what would she think of the woman you are today? Uh, what advice would I have for my teen self? And what would she think of the woman that I am, who I am today? I mean, I'll tell, I don't think my teen self would, it, I mean, it, it would make, it makes me a little bit emotional, but my teen self would not believe that I am who I am and where I am and in the space that I'm at. And when I say space, uh, peace and all of the things that I'm far from, I far from arrived, right? We all have, we're always evolving. <clears throat> but I, I don't think she would have believed it was possible to have the kind of strength and have endured the things that she has um, and made it at least to where I'm at so far. Um, so for my team, I mean, I, I don't I don't know if I'd give her any advice, to be honest, because I'd be like, you need all the things that are happening right now to get to where you are today. Right. Like, I honestly, I feel like I would ruin it. I would ruin the story, it's butterfly effect. I don't want to give her any advice that might turn her. Like I, I needed to feel the pain. I like, I, I think the only thing I would say is you're exactly where you need to be right now in your life. Like you are in that dark space you are in Heidi Lynn Lane, you are there for a reason. Like you need to feel it. You need to go through, you need, I'm not helping you. That's what I would do. And that's what I want to say to everybody here too. Um, no matter where you are, no matter how hard life is, no matter how bad it sucks, no matter how depressed or sad or inflicted with pain you are, you are there for a reason. Every single one of you, you are feeling all the feelings you like that hard heaviness that we feel is the thing that we need to feel to get out of the space that we're in. Like I, I always say the overwhelm that I feel quite often once a month, I literally like people try to alleviate it for me, but I don't need it alleviated. I need to feel it so I can uh, find ways through and learn and grow. Like it's like when we're lifting heavy weights in the gym, our trainer doesn't come lift it off when it's really heavy. He lets us struggle and struggle. Okay. Like like struggles, what helps us become stronger. So I, I, that's what I want to say to you guys. And that's what I would say to my teen self too. That's amazing. I I love it. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the hard things in our lives serve a purpose. They just do, you know, as, as hard as they are and as much as we would like to trade them for something else. Ah, yes. Yeah. Purpose. And they yeah. make us who we are. Heidi, thank you so much. Of course. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Thank oh, you guys my, for being here. My pleasure. This was absolutely amazing. And, um, I, I just thank you and wish you all the best and, um, and all of the things that are, are coming ahead for you sound fantastic and just wish you continued success and happiness. Oh, thank you, Mindy. And same, 
I think you're amazing. You're great. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you're you great so much. interviewing too. You're well, really, really good. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I've done a lot of them. You, um, you do a great job. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm going to close it out. Thank you, everybody who joined today, and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Mindy. Bye, Thanks. guys. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode has left you feeling inspired, a little less alone, and ready to take your own challenges to find the gifts within them and to use those gifts to make the world a better place. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be grateful if you'd leave a rating or a review. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so we can keep bringing you great content and maybe share it with a friend or two. You can also follow me on Instagram at Mindy Henderson Speaks. Thanks, everyone. Until next time, go be the light we all need in this world. <laughs>